Hello, and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this episode, you will hear from two of the 2023 15 Under 40 recipients. The 15 Under 40 program selects 15 nominees each year to honor and recognize the accomplishments of outstanding young professionals who make a positive impact in the community and excel in their industry. We look forward to hearing their stories. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm your host, Jason Smith, President and CEO of the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. We have a great guest with us today on the Think MHK podcast, another one of our 15 under 40 winners, Sheila Ellis Glasper. Hey, Sheila, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jason? I'm doing great. So our first question to all of our 1,540 winners is we we asked to talk a little bit about yourself and your history and how you ended up in Manhattan. We are going on our ninth year here in Manhattan as a family, my husband and I and our two kiddos, uh, 11-year-old and a six-year-old. And so I actually came to Manhattan first um, as a student at K-State, and I graduated with my degree in journalism back in 2010. Uh, moved out to the East Coast where I worked as a reporter for a few years um, before we end up coming back to this area. Um, and so I'm really, I did not expect to come back to Manhattan. I kind of thought that once I graduated, then I was going to be like out of here. I was born and raised in Topeka, so I'm a Kansan. Um, and I, I really thought that I would be out on the East Coast. A lot of my family is on the East Coast and we're kind of the lone Rangers in Kansas. Um, my grandmother was actually in the Postal Service and they transferred her from Brooklyn, New York to Topeka, Kansas in the 70s. And so that was quite the culture shock for the family. Um, but my immediate family is in Topeka. And so uh, Manhattan is close, but not just like around the corner, <laughs> as well as um, just having the support of the university. My husband uh, still works at the university um, and, and myself when we we first uh, moved back here nine years ago. And you own your own business? Yes, I am the CEO and founder of SEG Media Collective. We are a social media management and branding company. We are in our seventh year of business and the pandemic actually helped us to grow. Um, we went from serving mostly local clients and Kansas clients to now serving clients nationwide and a hybrid type of situation now where our local clients here, we can do things like uh, content creation with photo and video in person. Um, but we're, we live on Zoom a lot and we have our team is kind of spread out across the country as well. LA, New York, Houston, Texas, and Richmond, Virginia, and then here in Manhattan. So. Wow. That sounds impressive. So I don't know that you and I've ever talked about this and we've known each other now about three years, but I have a, I have a journalism degree as well. Oh, I didn't know it, that. I, yeah. So that was my degree. And I spent about 10 years in the newspaper business and it was hard work. It's very hard work. Um, I loved it. Uh, could not make a living at it. Uh, so you've obviously left the, the, the field. What, did you have similar experiences and is that something that you really enjoyed doing and just found that it was, it didn't fit. It's hard to obviously raise, have a family and, and, and that kind of lifestyle when you're being a journalist. Precisely. I think that I always, I, I 
never would regret getting my degree in journalism because it gave me a really good foundation. Um, when I graduated, I just knew that my path was going to be, I was going to be a journalist. My goal was to work for the New York Times. I had interned with the Associated Press um, and I had done some work with them after graduation. And I really thought that that was going to be my life until... I became a new mom and a new wife, and I was working the night crime shift, and it just um, became pretty crazy working that schedule. My son, Trey, at the time, my oldest son, he would not go to sleep until I got home, and that sometimes would be uh, midnight or one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, and so that was just tough on us. Um, so also, I... I transitioned out of journalism during a time when print journalism was really up in the air. Um, Warren Buffett actually purchased the newspaper that I was working at, the Roanoke Times in Roanoke, Virginia. And it, you know, there was no clear business plan for newspapers, really. They were just putting their content online for free um, and then trying to switch it up on people, trying to have them pay. It just was tough on the business side. And actually, um, I got into social media because I use social media as a reporter to connect with my sources. And I ended up on the Nancy Grace show for five nights in a row. Um, my first year, um, you know, not interning as an actual reporter with the Roanoke Times. And um, I was on the show because of my findings back then on MySpace and Facebook oh, wow. <laughs> about a case. Um, and so I will get into the case. It's a, it's a whole story as yeah. Nancy Grace does. But yeah, that was when the light bulb went off to me like, hey, this social media is emerging and maybe this could give me more flexibility in my career than being a night crime reporter and working my way up those ranks. And I was a sports writer, and of course, you have a lot of night events. It just, yeah. it's really hard to be a family, um, be a husband, be a father, be a mother, and, and do that. So mm -hmm. I understand, understand that, uh, that path. So you're obviously on because you were named a 15 under 40 winner. What did you, what was your reaction when you found out that you had won, um, the, the first class? You were part of the first class of winners for that. I think it was definitely um, an honor. I was really honored and um, happy to be able to be in that inaugural class. I think that um, several of the um, my other classmates in that in inaugural class, um, I've worked with them um, here at different capacities, whether it be um, the nonprofit with Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills or in the business community with my uh, marketing agency or maybe cross paths with them at K-State or just in the community. So it was really cool um, to just be a part of that class and look at the work that we're doing in the community collectively um, and just for the chamber um, and the community to recognize young professionals in that way. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. And it, it was a pretty impressive class. So you hit a little bit on uh, where at least we became, where, where the chamber um, started to learn more about you. And that was when you and a, a group of people started the Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills. So talk about the reason behind starting that and talk about some of the things that, that you all been accomplished in your, I guess, now over three years of existence. Yeah. So um, Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills really was created out of need. Um, I, I don't think that any of us set out to 
create more work for ourselves. Um, we were already busy as entrepreneurs. Um, and so it was actually um, myself, um, my husband, Jermaine Glasper, um, Douglas Barrett, um, as well as Jessica Elmore, um, where we really you know, started this organization together. Um, and we were really brainstorming about what can we do to provide or create more resources for minority businesses. Um, we were sharing information, um, trying to find resources, needing to go outside of the area sometimes when we were looking for um, inclusive business resources. Um, and we decided to be a solution, um, find the solutions and, and be that solution in our community. Um, and so really that's how we got started as an organization, the why behind the work that we do. Um, and, and we ended up finding this out kind of more accidentally. I don't think that we were necessarily looking at statistics when we first started the organization, but um, we ended up finding out more about the racial wealth gap um, and that Black families earned 10 times less or their overall wealth um, as a family is 10 times less of the, that of white families. And we really believe that entrepreneurship can bridge the gap um, when it comes to creating wealth um, opportunities for Black families specifically. And we have experienced that ourselves. However, just as Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in the nation, we are also the least funded. And so there is a gap, opportunity gap when it comes to access to capital. And so with that gap, um, we've also found through research and through data collection of our members, we have 100 Black-owned businesses in the Flint Hills area that are um, affiliated with the organization we found that um, it's not just access to capital, right? It's also culturally competent business resources. Um, and someone may ask, what is that? Like, what is uh, culturally competent business resources? That means just recognizing that there are different barriers and challenges that um, really different groups of people experience on a different level that can impact their journey in entrepreneurship. It can impact how um, they're able to you know, succeed or fail in business. And so we want to be that solution to help create a safe space where Black entrepreneurs can succeed, can thrive, can connect to resources um, like the Chamber, like SBDC, um, like Network Kansas and other resources across the state and even nationally that they may not know they have access to. Um, and so really that's how the organization started. And as far as um, really the work that we've been able to do in this really three years um, that we've been operating to as a 501c3 is really creating the safe space that we talked about. Um, we have now, I just found out today, six of our members who have their products selling in Hy-Vee grocery stores. We were able to create a relationship with Hy-Vee. My son, who is 11 years old, he owns a business um, called Trey Squeeze. It's a lemonade business that he started right here at the Manhattan Farmer's Market and quickly grew from there. He started that when he was nine years old and then he started selling in Hy-Vee grocery stores. Um, and once we started that relationship with Hy-Vee through my son. Um, we had other members that had products that wanted to get into the store. And so um, we helped and coached them along that process. And so now we have six of our members that have scaled from 
you know, B to C to B to B and help them along the way of what that looks like. Um, and so that's one of our, one of our accomplishments as an organization, um, that we've made in addition to just being able to solidify our programming as an organization, um, and really begin seeing the impact, um, as far as, the recognition of Black entrepreneurs in this area. A lot of people are surprised when they see our directory and they're like, wow, I didn't know that these many Black-owned businesses existed in this area. And, and I smile when I hear that because that means that the work is working. <laughs> yeah. And so a couple of things that you just said, first of all, shout out to our local High V because they, they are really aggressive in promoting local business, particularly minority-owned businesses. And so I'm um, very thankful that they have done that. But but you all then have really helped us become more aware of these situations. And so we've adapted some of our strategies to incorporate your strategies, including funding models and how can we generate funds for startups. And uh, we've created a DEI committee that's now a standing committee of the chamber. And Doug Barrett is our chair. Mm -hmm. Jessica Elmore is our consultant. Uh, you're, you are an ex-officio member of our board now too. So uh, we appreciate all the work that you've done with that, and then and then the last thing I know you got to be proud of Trey. You, what do you call yourself? The the momager, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so talk about Trey's business. How's what's what's he doing, and and how how's he how's he doing right now? Yeah, I think that's really you know when I think about Trey and his business, I think about the quote, um, "You can't be what you can't see," and Trey as a nine year old kid wanting to start his own company at the time, you know, we thought it was just going to be a lemonade company, you know, a lemonade stand. Um, dad was trying to just get him to be at the end of the street, you know, <laughs> set his lemonade stand up. Um, but because of his exposure to entrepreneurship from a young age, um, my agency actually did a rebrand with the Manhattan Farmers Market and creating their, their new logo. And so he was exposed to the Farmers Market. My uncle owns a um, barbecue business, Smoking H's Meats, and he would help my uncle out some times at the farmer's market and realized there were no drink vendors there at, you know, during mm -hmm. that time. He said, mom, can I set up a lemonade stand? And we say, son, you know, that's a process. Like we have to get tax IDs and you got to get a business license. Like you can't just set up a lemonade stand. Like there's a process. And he says, well, don't you know how to do that? So there was no fear, yeah. you know, for this nine-year-old um, in starting this lemonade business in the middle of a pandemic um, at the farmer's market. And then after a couple of Saturdays of him selling out of his lemonade, he really started, you know, seeing things. And, and it's just it's just cool to see how, you know, children and youth are influenced by the people that are around them. In this case, my son was around entrepreneurs a lot. So for him, you know, it was something that he he loves. He loves Shark Tank. That's his favorite show. When we asked him, what what's your goal with Trey Squeeze Lemonade, which he came up with the name. He came up with his own logo. So we wanted to test him to see how serious you are about this. And he says, well, I want to be in stores nationwide one day. And that was like his goal. I told him to put that out into the ethers, put it on your social media. I was teaching him how to manage his own Facebook page. He put it out there and literally the next day he got an inbox um, direct message on Facebook from the catering manager at Hy-Vee saying that she wanted to meet with them. And so that was really how Trey Squeeze came to be. And, and he is um, definitely well on his way. Well, I just think that's a cool story. And I think a tribute to you and your husband for being the inspiration to, to making, some, making a kid want to do that. I think that's awesome. Another thing you said that I appreciate and, and have repeated many times um, and why we're so engaged with entrepreneurship is to me, it really is 
owning a business is where you see generational wealth created. And the more we can get people, you know, really everyone in the central part of the U.S. where we have less uh, wealth than they do on the coast, if we can get more people thinking about that, particularly in the minority communities, I think we can start seeing some of those challenges that you talked about um, overcome. Mm -hmm. And so, and I appreciate you you saying that a lot and and I try to repeat it and give you credit for that. But why have you, and you, you talked about how you ended up here and you kind of, it was unexpected. Why have you decided to stay here? I would say opportunity um, because uh, Kansas is my home. You know, this is, um, you know, the place that I was born. And um, although I have lots of family on the East Coast, when I came back as an adult with a family, I think my mindset kind of shifted. And also from running my marketing agency to where we're remote working with you know, companies across the nation, um, even working with Fortune 100 companies and learning that really your location doesn't necessarily, you know, it's, you can do a lot wherever you are. Like you don't, it's not that um, this mindset of, oh, I'm in Kansas and I'm limited um, in opportunities. Really your mindset is where it starts. And so for me, I think that staying in Kansas and staying here, particularly in Manhattan, I've been able to see the growth of Manhattan since I was, you know, uh, high school student coming to junior days at K-State all the way to starting, you know, my freshman year back in 2005 and seeing from then until now how much Manhattan has changed, how much it's developed, getting involved um, with our local economy and economic development and really seeing even some of the gaps, but I call them opportunity gaps, just like with the investment continuum fund. That is really showing progress, you know, that that is something that we didn't have even last year. But now that's going to be a resource for entrepreneurs in our community to be able to have that first step in accessing capital to grow, to bridge that gap um, and create generational wealth. It, it's so exciting. So that's why I'm, I've stayed is because of the opportunities that I've seen for my nine-year-old to be able to start a business here and grow it and have that community support. I, I think that that's, you know, ultimately the ROI that we've seen of being in Manhattan is it's opportunity. So what advice would you have for a young professional who's just getting out of school and either entering the workforce or interested in starting their own business? Yes, I would say definitely take advantage of the networking opportunities. There are lots of networking opportunities happening, you know, across the city uh, and across our region and just getting involved, finding a mentor. People are approachable, you know, being able to find somebody that's doing similar work um, or has a similar business uh, to what you want to do and just being able to really leverage um, building real relationships. I would say for myself as a professional, that's been something that has helped carry my professional career from starting out as a journalist to getting into marketing at K-State. That's what I did full-time before I started my agency. I was the social media manager at K-State. And then now, you know, in the business community as an entrepreneur and now nonprofit founder, it's been the relationships. So I would say take time to build genuine and authentic relationships with people and it'll carry you a long way. Okay. So that is the end of our formal section of our interview. We now move into the 
famous or infamous, depending on how you look at it, rapid fire section. And so we have 10 questions here so we can get to know you a little more. It's an interesting story. I, I had, uh, I was at an event the other night and it was in Manhattan, but someone was here from Topeka and she walked up to me and I just met her and she goes, oh, I listened to your podcast. And I said, oh, really? Well, that's very nice. Thank you. And she said, yeah, you should really do more of the rapid fire. That's the part that I really enjoy listening to. So people, people seem to like it. And so um, it, it helps us learn more about our, uh, the people that are uh, engaged in the chamber in our community. So are you ready? Yep. Okay. Number one, what movie have you seen the most? Selena. Selena. That is a great movie. <laughs> that is a great movie. If you could only watch one movie or television show for the rest of your life, what would it be? It's my guilty pleasure. It's a show called Sisters on BET. I think I've seen that advertised. <laughs> I have not watched it. What do you want people to remember about you? I want them to remember that I, that I cared. Uh, what was your first job? Cashier at Sears. At Sears in Topeka? Mm -hmm, okay. At Westridge Mall. <laughs> All right. What skill would you most like to learn? I would love to become more techie. So I, um, I work in digital marketing, but to be more techie to where I can build stuff. If I had the time to like relearn a, a skill, I would say like coding. Me too. I just, I'm because I always feel helpless when you kind of get into those situations. Like, I want to do this and you just can't quite figure it out. Uh, what is one thing that instantly makes your day better? My kiddos. If they're behaving themselves, yeah, I was you know, gonna say that's a double edge. A good, a good hug from one of my kids would instantly change my day. Yeah. Do you prefer working remotely or in the office? Remote. Um, how do you deal with work stress? Breathe. <laughs> Don't forget to breathe and and drop your shoulders. Like just being mindful of your body and not trying not to stress. Just resetting yourself. That's good advice. First, and this this can be two answers. First and favorite concert. Janet Jackson. Both first and favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, what advice would you give the 19-year-old you? I would say to my 19-year-old self that don't sweat the small stuff. That is great advice for a 19-year-old, right? I can remember sweating a lot of small stuff when I was yes. 19 and 20 years old. Yes. Then now I look back and go, that was silly. I'm Precisely. Sheila, thank you so much for being part of our Think of HK podcast. Congratulations uh, on being honored as a 15 under 40 winner. And thanks for all you do for the community and for the chamber. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. We have with us one of our 15 under 40 winners this year from uh, ERA High Point Realty, Mark Kent. Hey, Mark. Hey, Jason. How you doing? Welcome to the Think MHK podcast. Thank you so much. So, uh, Mark, tell us a little, little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Manhattan. Uh, I originally came to Manhattan as a student. I started as a freshman in 2012. I am originally from eastern Colorado. My family moved over into the Kansas side when I was a, a junior in high school. So, K-State was kind of the jump for me that I was looking for. And I uh, went to a very small high school, Hill City, Kansas, 
And a majority of my class actually went to Kansas State University with me. So I was one of a few <laughs> that ended up over here. But I graduated in 2016 and I jumped right into the community right afterwards. Awesome. So how small of a high school? How What was in your graduating class? We had 28 that graduated with me. We were one of the bigger classes, but three of those students were foreign students. Tell me what your reaction was to being named one of the 15 under 40. It is absolutely one of the most humbling moments for me in my short time on this planet. I looked at the list of people that I had also received this award with, and it's humbling to see the good that some of those individuals are doing in our community and putting my name next to them or with them. It's it's a shocking moment for me, and it's, it's very exciting at the same time. We talked a little bit about that you were with the ERA High Point Realty, what made you decide to get into the real estate business? I started off working as a personal assistant for a local entrepreneur who has a few pretty major businesses here in the community. And he had this idea to open up a real estate company. It um, fell under a few years later, but during the time I was there, I was kind of operating, you know, day-to-day -day management and uh, working as the office manager. I kind of looked around and I said, you know what, I think I can do that. And I jumped right into real estate and got licensed and I've been working at ERA High Point Realty since then. Is it mostly residential is what you're... I do residential. I do dabble in a little bit of commercial. I've had a few clients talk to me about doing commercial recently and that's really on the up and up. So there's a lot of opportunities here in Manhattan for that. And I'm excited to jump in there. Yeah. So you got engaged very early. Why did you think it was important to start getting engaged in the community and what are some of the things that you're involved in right now? Growing up, I was raised in 4-H, FFA, you know, Future Business Leaders of America, Honor Society, that kind of stuff. And it's just always been ingrained in me to be a leader in the community you're in and service above self always. So for me, it was kind of a no-brainer once I was graduated. I wasn't necessarily looking for opportunities to get involved, but I just kind of let those doors come open and I went through them and have been just kind of finding the opportunities as they come. And what are some of the organizations and opportunities that you're involved with? Through the people that I know here, I've had the luxury of working with the Manhattan Emergency Shelter. Um, the uh, uh, I'm on the CLC for Big Brothers Big Sisters here with Michelle Sink. I absolutely love working with her. Um, I'm hugely involved with the Association of Realtors. I've been a committee chair for there for a number of years and multiple committees. Um, I'm kind of leaving my legacy on the events and membership committee there, though. I chaired that last year and I'm on the board of directors for that association for the next three years. So mostly the Realtor Association, but yeah. And of course, the Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, Chamber, absolutely. Yeah, a couple of committees there now. Yeah, and we appreciate uh, you've been on our membership committee for a while. and. Mm -hmm. And uh, your input there has been great. And then you just recently joined our diversity, equity, inclusion yes. uh, committee, which is became a standing committee this year. So thank yes. you for doing that oh, absolutely. as well. So what do you think makes Manhattan a special place to live and work? For me, Manhattan is a perfect example of a smaller community and feel, but a bigger town in general. And I've actually listened to a few of these podcasts, and I think it's a very common theme for a lot of us that it doesn't feel too overwhelming here. 
Um, a lot of us who come from rural backgrounds feel comfortable. And those of us who are looking for a smaller community as well from those urban areas, we fit in just well. And as a real estate agent, I'm always all over the place and it's about 15 minutes from one side to the other. So that's exciting. I don't get overwhelmed by that very easily. Something related to that is an important part of people's decision to locate somewhere is real estate. So um, I know this changes constantly, but... but um, it's a challenge right now in Manhattan to to find a house, isn't it? Yeah, it can be for sure. And the markets over the last couple of years has shifted so much. And, you know, we've got rising interest rates and we've got people holding on to their homes longer than the average time frame. And, you know, we've got a lot of incredible de developers here in the community, though, who are continuing to build phenomenal houses. So we've just got to keep up with that trend and keep going. And hopefully people can start to find homes quicker. And as a, a real estate agent, uh, you obviously deal with a lot of people moving to town. What's their first impression when they get here and, and see the community? It's really interesting. You'd think that there wouldn't be a common theme, but it's always the passion and the energy that surrounds our community. People either really absorbed with K-State or um, during the summers, you know, arts in the park. And it's just that commitment to community that really impresses people. I always kind of joke that, uh, and it's, and you know, in some ways it's not funny. And, and as a chamber, we're trying to do what we can to change this, but I always joke that Manhattan benefits from low expectations and that, <laughs> and that we always exceed what people imagine it's going to be like right. every single time. Oh, exactly. I mean, most people think, you know, it's Kansas. How, you know, how great can it get? But lo and behold, little Manhattan, a little apple, it absolutely is great. You obviously could move anywhere. I mean, real estate is something that you can do anywhere in the country. Why? Why? I, you talked a little bit about what makes it special, but is there anything specific that's made you decide to stay in Manhattan? Yeah. Yeah, when I was a student, I was heavily involved with the leadership department at KSU and I was it was ingrained into me to be involved in the community and it was never a second guess to me to want to stay here once I graduated and be a part of the community. I think it's important to integrate yourself and ingrain yourself into the community you're living in, even as a student. So that's really what inspired me to do that. What's something that we can do as a community to be uh, more attractive to graduates coming out of K-State so that, like Mark Kent, they decide to stay in Manhattan? Well, I think obviously the number one thing is it's we've got to have job opportunities for people. And that's kind of, you know, that's just out there. We all know that. But as far as people thinking about whether or not to stay in Manhattan, I think it's really important that we as a chamber, obviously, we've got the Young Professionals organization now have some integration with the university life. And that sometimes comes apart as one separate entity from the actual community itself. And we've just got to keep encouraging young people, specifically new graduates, to be involved and to get out into the community because it is a different separate area. That's an interesting observation and one thing that we've discovered in other university communities where I've lived in too is that the knowledge of what goes on outside of the walls of the university is very limited. And and we kind of joked, and when I was in Norman, we said this specifically, but we kind of joked periodically that a lot of times students will say, well, I'm graduating from the institution and they feel like they're also graduating from the community. And how do you stop that sort of dynamic. And I think, and that's what we've asked our young professionals to do is be more engaged on campus. So they see there's a life after graduation. Yeah, absolutely. Go back to the, to the young professional student discussion. If you had advice for a young professional that's just getting out of school and entering the workforce, what, what advice would that be? 
I think it's really important that every young person identifies who their mentors will be, whether that's in the community or a professor or somebody who they really look up to that they have, you know, at their disposal or at their resources nearby. Um, for me, it really stems from the fact that I had some incredible entrepreneurial people here who just saw the potential in me and knew that, you know, if they just pushed a little bit, then I would get somewhere. And it's not necessarily them trying to dictate or control my, you know, end life or anything, but they just really saw the potential. And I think that makes a huge difference for a lot of people. So what makes you get up out of bed every day and, and go to ERA High Point Realty and, and uh, do your job on a daily basis? The fact that I get to have different clients and different parts of their life experience, and it could be bad experiences or good experiences, it fulfills me more than I think other realtors might admit, or maybe they would. But just the fact that we're helping humans get through periods or phases of their life it's impactful work. It might not seem like it always, but it really is. And that that's what gets me up out of the bed every day. Um, so are there other podcasts that you listen to that you could recommend to people other than obviously the Think MHK podcast, which you said you were an avid listener. Yeah. You said avid, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or occasional. You did say occasional, but well, occasional avid listener. Yes, I do listen occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> um, not too many podcasts, although I do kind of tune into NPR. I listen to This American Life here and there. I love hearing stories of people, you know, talking about what interests them and things, you know, unique things. But recently I have discovered a podcast called K63, which is a short story version narrated by Julianne Moore and Oscar Isaac. It's really gotcha catching. It's really, really quick to get your attention. And it's about um, a time traveler essentially who has a psych evaluation and you kind of follow that process. And Honestly, it's really, really great. So highly recommend it. Cool. I might have to check that out. Yeah. Okay. So that's the end of the get to know Mark in a broader sense. Uh, we have 10 questions ready for you to answer. So you think you're ready? I'm ready. Okay. So here we go. Number one, do you have any hidden talents? I do actually. So growing up, my dad and my brother were heavily involved with shooting sports. And so I kind of jumped in with them. And a few years ago, I did 22 rifle and I went to state with Colorado with a Colorado team and we placed pretty well, but I also do archery as well. And those wow. are fun pastimes for me. All right. Well, that, that's an interesting talent. So describe your perfect day. Uh, my perfect day is generally most Saturdays when I can get up and go to the downtown farmer's market and shop amongst all the vendors in town and then absolutely head out to the cons and spend some time out in nature. Uh, what do you want people to remember about you? First and most importantly, I hope my kindness. I think that's a trait that is generally lost amongst people very quickly um, and, and commitment to service. Who inspires you the most and why? That's a question that I think has a lot of different meanings and you can go a lot of different directions with it. For me, my family absolutely is a big inspiration and motivation and my family's history specifically, I want future generations to feel like they have more power and more ability to make their lives better. So that's what inspires me. What skill would you most like to learn? 
I would love to learn languages, and I think that's a really common answer for a lot of people. But I also would really love to learn music and instruments. I actually picked up playing banjo during COVID. <laughs> so, you know. Can you keep that tuned? That's what most people find the hardest part about playing banjo is actually keeping it in tune. It's difficult. It's hard. I think you have to tr have a trained ear for it. So I struggled a little bit in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a cool instrument, though. I like it. Okay. So where is the coolest place you've traveled? Absolutely. For me, I would say Italy. I had the opportunity to go there right after high school and we went from Milan all the way down to the southern part and it's just full of culture and history and architecture. Just an awesome place. Yeah, I'd like to go to Italy sometime. I have not had the chance to do that. Um, what is these are all, This is always a really fun question, so I'm interested to see the answer to this. What is the most ridiculous thing you believed as a child? Oh, yeah. This one I, I <laughs> was thinking about a long time. So my family had a farm and every time it would rain, my brother and I would run down to our family farm pond and I would always find tons of tadpoles just swimming around. And I used to actually believe that tadpoles came from raindrops, believe oh, it or not. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. That is obviously ridiculous but as a child that might be something that that's logical so I, <laughs> I can't i can't joke about i tease you about that too much uh do you prefer working remotely or in the office i always joke around that my car is my mobile office right, sure yeah, yeah. for real <laughs> so absolutely it's absolutely hybrid you know yeah. office time is important to get things done but i'm usually on the run yeah and usually realtors aren't making money sitting in the office exactly right? how do you deal with work stress um, for me, that's, that's tough, but I, I love to garden during my spare time. Obviously living in Kansas, we don't have gardening weather for a lot of, or for, you know, winter time, but I've brought plants inside and I like to do house plant stuff and just spending time in quiet and just maintaining those plants. It's kind of a de-stressor and relaxer for me. Uh, last question. What advice would you give the 19 year old Mark Kent? For me, that that advice would be keep going, get involved, don't be afraid to take chances, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there and meet people. Amazing things happen. Well, Mark, thank you for being on the Think MHK podcast. I do have to tell you, because I, I really got to know you about a year ago, and uh, every time I hear your name, it obviously reminds me of Superman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've gotten that over. I have, over. yes. Do, do you have any relatives named Clark? No, or, no, oh, okay. I don't, but I Mark don't think- Mark Kent from Kansas is a great, <laughs> that's a great, from small, small town Kansas. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I get that a lot from a lot of people, and I usually just chuckle at it. That's, it, to be compared to somebody, I mean, Superman, that's an go. incredible person, right? There you go. <laughs> well, thank you again for being on the show. Congratulations on being named 15 under 40, and uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing you around. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.